This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What's going on? Welcome in to a Friday edition of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. It has been a long and busy, busy week here around our offices at uh, Meridian Media and KSAL. Man, we had Royals the first like three days of the week as they wrapped up their season. Then yesterday we had the Denver Broncos. So we didn't have a show on air at all until today. But if you're a true diehard, you're a true zony, if we're going to call them that, which I don't think we, we are. We don't ever have to use that term again. It's fine. But if you're a true fan of the show, you know you can find our stuff on Spotify. We've been posting all week long there. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday show stuff has been posted to In the Zone. All of our key interviews are with area high school football coaches from Ellsworth and Bennington and Solomon, plus, of course, our weekly chats with Wyatt Thompson and Brian Haney. All that stuff is on our In the Zone Spotify page. So if you missed it, you want to get caught up, be sure to check it out there. But today, we finally have a show, and we've got a great couple of things for you today. Football Friday, of course. So we're gonna we're going to discuss a lot of the big area football games, but we're going to do it in a little bit of a more fun fashion. I've got a guest who's going to be joining me in studio here in just a little bit, and he knows a thing or two about high school sports, I'll tell you that much. It's John Betts from Kansas Pregame. He's going to come in. We're going to talk about all the big games in the area this week, as well as uh, you know the 5A landscape and, and, and some of the other area teams in their district settings and, and what's going on, all of that stuff. We're going to hit it hard with John Betts coming up here in just a little bit. But we're going to start the show off today with a really cool interview from a, a local kid who's doing some really cool stuff. Sam Burt is a, a super senior, a COVID senior with the Kansas football team. He is a, a starter on the defensive line, and he is the true definition of hard work pays off because he has been around the Kansas program for, for like I said, this is his fifth year. And he's been through some tough times. There's no avoiding that. But he's stuck it out. He he has earned a scholarship. He, he's become a key member of the KU defense and a team that's 5-0 and on the season. And him being an Abilene native, we love seeing success stories like that for, for local kids. And uh, the voice of the Abilene Cowboys caught up with Sam uh, yesterday, actually, and did a really cool interview with Sam Burt about his journey and about the Jayhawks and, and everything. and So we're going to play that for you today. I've got Trent Sanchez queued up with his discussion with Abilene Cowboy alum and Kansas Jayhawks defensive lineman Sam Burt. I'm now joined by Sam Burt. He is a super senior with the Kansas Jayhawk football team, a 2017 graduate of Abilene High School. He is the son of Tim and Sharon Burt, and his siblings are Molly and Emily. Uh, Sam, it's been a long time coming. I admired you, what you did during your time at Abilene High School, and I apologize for not getting you on sooner, but uh, congratulations on a terrific start to this super senior season for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, glad to be talking to you. Glad to be on the on the show. How much of a decision was it for you to be a super senior? And why don't you explain that to some in the audience that may not understand what that is? 
yeah, so kind of with um, COVID and a red shirt, typically you have like five years to play four years of eligibility. That's with a red shirt. Uh, my freshman year, I never took a red shirt because I got plugged in on special teams and stuff. And so <clears throat> COVID year was supposed to be actually my senior year because I was that was my fourth year kind of playing. But then obviously COVID happened, so I got the COVID year. And then last season I broke my arm and, and came back to this season. And you know, and uh, and obviously that I, you know, when when I broke my arm, like I had the option to come back and still play about five games. But and at that time I didn't know, even know I had a red shirt. You know, that's what I was, my plan was to do. But mm-hmm. but then they kind of presented me with with uh, the red shirt that I still had, and you know, I just thought. It just felt to me like it was just a big, a big blessing um, to be able to come back. And I know that then I knew that like, like these, this coaching staff is going to start changing things, and, and it was going to start turning around. And I, you know, just knew that I, I, I won, I wanted to, and needed to be a part of that. And I'll get to that in just a second. Again, I'm with Sam Burton. I quickly want to review your time at Abilene High School and your senior year, that 16-17 sports season. I've been covering the Cowboys and Cowgirls for 21 years. I said that was the best, in my opinion, the best year of sports during my time just because there were so many good things that happened. You were part of a state championship wrestling team. Uh, Looking at what you did in football, you were a four-year letter winner. Uh, You were a three-year starter under Steve Simpson. The Cowboys won three straight league titles, 14, 15, and 16, and were regional champs in 15. And I think that was probably the best football team I've covered during my time as voice of the Cowboys. Uh, Do you still reflect back with some uh, positive memories of what you did there at Abilene High School? Oh, absolutely. Like, I've I've gotten on on some – by weekends in the past I've gotten to be able to come down for some games and, and always coming back has been really fun and, and yeah I just I think about a lot of those seasons a lot especially that uh, the 15-16 season I reflect on that you know every once in a while and um, no it's, uh, it's those are super fun memories and you know and they and they got me to where I am today and just super grateful to have been brought up um, in Abilene and, and gone to Abilene High School and represented the Cowboys and it's just been um, such a huge part of, of my story overall. Okay, I'm talking with Sam Bird, a member of the Kansas football team. They are nationally ranked and undefeated. You're on your third head coach at the University of Kansas. There was David Beatty for two years, Les Miles for two years, and now Lance Leipold is in his second season. In your first five years, uh, the Jayhawks had a combined record of 9-48. and 48. Uh, Coach Leipold had a lot of success before he came to the University of Kansas, but I mean, did you know something special was going to transpire with this guy? What makes this guy different? Yeah, I think that started from when we first met him. Initially, right out of the gate, like he came and talked to us after a spring game practice and was like, he said, you know, it might take some time, but we will win here at Kansas. And like, just the conviction in his voice, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, something's different. And so, and then from there, like, they they have like a culture that they um, installed in us and um, you know it's just very process oriented it's very black and white you know we do things down to the minute details and because we believe that like doing things the right way down to the details off the field will you know translate to on the field and when Mm -hmm. that translates on the field then that translates to wins on Saturday so like uh, you know, we know by doing the process that, that we do, like, the score will take care of itself on Saturday. 
Well, as a Wildcat, I admire what he is doing, and it sounds a lot like a, another famous football coach from our state and Bill Snyder. Coach Leipold's doing an amazing job. Was a couple of turning points for the program. You look back to last season, and you were there when KU won in overtime at Texas 57-56. to Some may have thought that was a fluke, but then we go into this season, and you guys upset West Virginia in overtime back on September the 10th, 55-42, and uh, really made a lot of believers, I think, over the course of those two games. Yeah, I mean, I think that truly, like, last season, we were still figuring a lot of things out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think like some, some of that was kind of coming together towards the end. But, like, after a full off season of just, like, getting down to, like, and just keep stacking on the culture, like, I think that, like, you know, and a lot of people may think that, like, um, still even that, you know, five wins in that it's, still a fluke that like you know when is the bubble gonna burst or whatever but that we know that what we're doing isn't isn't like isn't isn't lucky like Mm -hmm. it's it's been proven it's we know that we're very confident in the way that we do things and um and that's you know our mindset is just to you know perform the best that we can each week and um you know our mindset is just to come out one and out and by the way, Sam's coming off his best statistical game of his career. You, you had one and a half sacks in that 14-11 to 11 victory against Iowa State. And this is a program under uh, Matt Campbell that's been so good. So congratulations on your most recent victory, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now KU is getting big-time national attention. And I watched something that was on Facebook, you commenting about the crowds, and that's where I want to go next. Uh, you guys are making believers. The team now 5-0, 2-0 in the conference, ranked number 19. But I think the coolest things is the back-to-back sellouts. College game day of ESPN, they're coming. But what has it been like to have those sellouts? Yeah, it's been, it's been magical for me. Um, you know, just throughout my time here, never never seeing a packed uh stadium and and just having that uh back to back and you know this weekend sold out too so it's going to be full this weekend as well which is which is awesome and you know just just you know running out of the tunnel and just seeing all the support is just truly awesome and you know it's just like jayhawk fans have always been there Mm -hmm. but they you know over the you know it's been a long time and you know it's, it's it's you know there's been a lot of a lot of hard years and so uh, you know, just uh, just the, all they needed was a little spark. All they needed was a little catalyst, and um, and we and they and then you know we have just felt so much support from them, and it's been awesome. When you were at Abilene High School, and again, I'm talking with Sam Burt. He's a super senior for the University of Kansas football team. You were known for doing so many things. I thought, how in the world is Sam able to be in all these clubs, do band, do this, do that, and be an athlete and, and have a high GPA? But you did it, and it's. I can tell from afar how the University of Kansas admires you, Sam. Uh, you're up for three honors, the William V. Campbell Trophy, the Werfel Trophy, and the All-State AFCA Good Works Team. Uh what are those just being recognized and being up for those honors? What does that mean to you, Sam? Yeah, it means the world. I, I think that, you know, from from a young age, I, um, I've had people in my life that have been invested in me and um, a lot. And, and, you know, just seeing that just makes you want to give back to others. And also, you know, with my parents, just, um, you know, building a, a great just core value of servitude in my life and I also think um, in my my faith and 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 Jesus has also driven me to 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 want to and need to serve others and you know I just I just find so much happiness and joy and 
um, being able to to do that for other people and and yeah so so being up for those awards is just is just awesome it's just such a blessing and because um, you know there's so many people who do out there who do great things and and it's just it's you know it's an honor to be even mentioned what are your plans after KU football Sam you know I I got my degree in environmental studies and um, with an emphasis in conservation so you know I'm looking to my wife is, is looking to um, go back to school for nutrition and dietetics so kind of wherever she goes for that we're gonna go and you know I'm gonna try I'm gonna be looking for jobs and, and kind of conservation you know maybe maybe a little coaching route will pop up I don't mm-hmm. know but we'll we'll find out when it when it comes yeah we'll you always, never know I, I love coach Nix but we'll always take you back at home to help but hey the community is really proud of you, Sam, and, and I know you're going to be successful in whatever you choose to do. So we wish you the best, and maybe we can catch up with you still later this season, okay? Yes, absolutely. That is KU Super Senior Sam Burt, a 2017 graduate of Abilene High School. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150. K-S-A-L. It is a football Friday, and today we're going to take a deep dive around the high school football landscape of the area with one of the most well-informed high school people around. I mean, he publishes a magazine, so you hope he knows a lot. It's John Betts from Kansas Pre-Game. John, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. And as long as you mentioned it, I published three magazines. So the the fall football, <laughs> yeah. the fall football preview, the winter basketball wrestling preview, which I am uh, working very hard on right now. Just had a chance here today to go and talk to the Kansas Wrestling Coaches Association, who are hosting their clinic right down the road at the Salina Fieldhouse. Um, and then, you know, looking ahead, we'll have the spring baseball softball track preview. So uh, I. Hopefully, I am the most well-informed because I should probably have more information that's given to me about high school sports than anybody else because of what we do. See, I I was thinking about 20 minutes ago how busy I have been today, and then you go and talk about you're managing three different (laughs) magazines and you've got all this information swirling around. I, I would never last. If it makes you feel any better, you're probably more busy than I am as a uh, that local market coverage that requires you to hustle uh, to be to to multiple places all at the same time. I I operate my entire business from my house, and um, I don't have to go out to places. I need coaches to submit questionnaires. If there happens to be any basketball or wrestling coaches listening to this that have not submitted their questionnaire yet, we really need it. Um, so honestly, I don't I don't have to go to games to, to cover them, to do play-by-play, that kind of thing. And what's really exciting is in the modern era, I sit in my basement and I have my TV and I have my laptop and I have my phone and I have a tablet and I have games on split screen. I, I can watch six, seven, eight games at one time, Jeez. and it's really cool. I do miss getting out to the games. Um, I, I tell people this quite a bit, but you don't really know how good a team is until you watch them from the sideline. And you can hear it. You can hear the way that a guy like a Mikey Bergeron from Mill Valley you can hear the effort that he puts out the 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 when he's exploding through a tackle and things like that you can hear it you can hear the communication of the team the best teams in all sports 
But football, the best teams, their defensive communication, you hear it. You hear them talking about how they're going to roll their coverage. Um, you hear them talking about what to watch for. You know, watch for the for the zone read, watch for the watch for the play action pass, things like that. The best teams in in football for sure, but you know, also basketball, baseball, communication. Like if you're standing on the sideline or standing next to one of those games, you almost want those kids to shut up. It's so <laughs> because it's just constant. And so I do miss being able to watch those games in person, but it's just real it's way more valuable for me to watch as many as I can all at one time. And uh, so that's that's a really cool thing uh, uh, thing about the modern era with yeah. all the streaming that we have available to I, us. I, I like it because I can when I'm at one game, I can go back and I can look at others and because we host a, our coaches talk show on Saturday mornings and I'll get home at 11 or 11:30 and I'll, I'll, you can watch it kind of sped up a little bit to have a better idea of how the games went so I at least know what I'm talking about on Saturday mornings but it's amazing and I'm really glad we have that now and it's tough to say there were many good things that came from COVID but I think that was one thing because so many schools now have the the streaming capability and I think it's so important but John I wanted to talk to you first about the, the 5A and specifically the 5A West landscape right now because it seems like it's maze and then everybody else because there's kind of a log jam from 2 through 9 or 10. And I'm curious how you think maybe that will break down or, or get a little bit more fit, fixed this week and into next week where teams might actually stack up, especially for us here in Salina and Salina Central. So this is a talk show, uh, and and we want to spend some time on this. But the short answer is it's Maze and everybody else, <laughs> and this is one of the most top heavy classifications in the state this year. Mill Valley and Maze are absolutely headed towards a rematch in the five A final, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Mays, obviously, Avery Johnson, Deshaun Carter, Bryce Cahoon, Justin Stevens, great players, multiple FBS offers. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how the defense holds up against Mill Valley. And Mill Valley's defense is amazing. Like, I have described Mill Valley's defense as Hutch Salthawk era Randy Dryling wow. good. Yeah. Their defensive line is incredible. I mean, they have they have four guys on their defensive line that are are like 6'4", 250 pounds ripped that just can run all over the field. They're like they're like these hybrid linebacker defensive lineman type players, and I, I think that that their defense just this crushes anybody in their way it will be interesting to see if we see that Mays Mill Valley rematch how Mays's offense will hold up against that that brutal Mill Valley defense so looking at the rest of the 5A landscape specifically on the west side Hayes High has a really nice team this year. Everybody thought that they were going to take a step back after Jaron Canick goes mm-hmm. to Oklahoma and Gavin Myers goes to K-State. And they were a really deep uh, defensive team last year as well. Um, Dalton Dale was a really nice linebacker for them. Um, they, they 
I think, are on par with what they were last year. Malik Baugh, one of the great junior running backs in the state of yep. Kansas, a kid that uh, is going to be a top 11 type kid, certainly coming out of his senior year. Uh, Kyrie's grown, has stepped into the quarterback position, does a really nice job. Remy Stahl, I think, has been injured, but he's a kid that's got an FBS offer from from New Mexico State, is a is a long safety, will fit really well in the modern era 3-3-5, schemes because he's kind of can be a, at the Knicks level, can be kind of a hybrid linebacker safety type player. And they're well coached. Tony Crow has done a really nice job with them. Of course, we see now that that early season win over Junction City uh, shows that they're really talented. I, I had Junction City preseason ranked number five in, in the 6A classification in the magazine. Um, so Hayes, I think, is is very good. Uh, you know, Bishop Carroll is is Bishop Carroll. Yeah. Uh, you know, their losses are 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 close heartbreaking losses to some of the best teams in the state of Kansas. Their ridiculous comeback win over Wichita Northwest is outstanding. They've got a junior quarterback in Jackson King that looks like a guy that's just going to be a star. Um, and they had a bit of a two quarterback system early, but they've since uh, I think they've since settled in with the King kid. Um, uh, Hutchison has been a little bit of a surprise this year. Um, They've got some great speed. Noah Kokar is a kid that we have seen here at the Combines run hand times in the high 4-3s. So he's probably a legit high 4-4, low 4-5 kid on an electronic clock, those kind of things. So for someone that likes parity, it's not all that fun because I don't think that Mays is going to be challenged other than against Derby, which is not a... You know, not tonight a, of all that's nights. That's right. That's right. So, so I I don't necessarily think that Mays is going to get challenged, but the rest of the field is really ba- is really balanced. So there's mm-hmm. going to be some very good playoff games, and and then will be interesting to see. You know, does a does a Bishop Carroll emerge? You know, obviously Hutch gave Derby a great game, which I think probably everybody was surprised about, and I was too. Um, although, if we talk about that. I think 6A is not as good as I thought it was going to be. But what I do like is that it's really deep. Mm-hmm. There, I honestly believe that there are at least 10 teams and maybe 16 that could beat each other on any given night. I mean, you look at Blue Valley, Blue, Blue Valley West, Blue Valley Northwest. Um, you look at Junction City, you know, Manhattan, uh, obviously Manhattan, the top ranked team. But uh, I noticed on the on the K-Preps poll, and I'll, and I'll give them a, a, a plug because I used to work with the K-Preps guys. But Manhattan is the team that the number one ranked team that people see as the most vulnerable. Yep. So I think there's tremendous parity in 6A. And I much prefer that. You know, I, I don't love that we go into every week saying, Here's what happened in 5A, but I wish we could just get to the end so we can watch Mays and Mill Valley play. Um, but, yeah, and, you know, looking at Salinas Central, first of all, I just got to say, and I've known Mark Sambo and his family for a long time. Um, and so I could be biased, but I really think he is a great coach. And he does things with his program he he pushes kids to be part of the combines that we do. Um, he does social media stuff and 
outreach, golf tournaments, things like that. Uh, he really does a great job with that stuff. And, he, and he's almost, as a uh, 5A high school coach, he does more of that overseas. He's a CEO, like a, the, the, the very best college head coaches are probably not the offensive coordinator. They're probably not the defensive coordinator. They're more of a CEO that operates it. And while I think Mark is still always right there in the offensive play calling, (laughs) he does seem to have that kind of CEO feel. And obviously, Gunnar Gross is a is an emerging young talent who's got a had a great start to his junior season. Kenyon McMillan, that poor kid, if he were just a couple inches taller. Everybody would be talking about how, you know, he's a K State KU prospect yeah. and great player. And because of his speed, he still can potentially play at that level. But his height, you know, keeps him off of that uh, top of the top of the list as far as prospects go. I also think that uh, Coach Chesney, and again, I've worked with Coach Chesney quite a bit, so uh, I may be a little biased here, but he does a really nice job with the offensive line. When you watch offensive line play. The number one thing that I look at, and I spent 10 years as an offensive line coach, is are the are the guys in sync? When they step, do they fire off the ball together? Do they step in the same way? Do they use the do they put their they use their hand movement the same way? And when I watch Salina Central's offensive line play, they they look like they're all going off the same script every time and they do a really nice job. Um really tough schedule. And and who would have I mean Here's what's exciting about what I do is I go into the season and I have this vision for things. And it is really important to me to be right about things. It really is. I want to, you know, when I do my preseason rankings and things like that, but it's also fun when you see that, you know, I think we thought Andover was going to be pretty good and they and they are pretty solid. Valley Center didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know they've got a they've got a nice uh, nice group there. May South. I don't think anybody probably saw that Tate McNew was going to throw for 350 yards a game as a sophomore or whatever it might be. So the Salinas skin the Salinas Central schedule ended up stacking up maybe a lot more difficult than we thought. Yeah. I, I thought Central was probably going to take a step back after you. You graduate Kavanaugh and Micah Moore and Logan Losey and all those guys. And when you graduate those types of players and you still have the success on offense that they've had this year, that shows that you've got a really great coach there in Coach Sambo. They, they, I have been very impressed by the offense and the defense. I still think is a work in progress. That's where they've surprisingly felt more of that mass exodus from last year's seniors. They replaced nine starters, and last week was a, a big example of that. I think they gave up 350 rushing yards and 43 points. And in in talking with Coach Sanbo, you know, obviously that's going to sting a little bit because he's he loves to have a successful defense, and I do think that that's coming along but it was just a, a tough pill to swallow in a game that I think they really would have liked back with one stop in the second half. It could have flipped the other way. But um, just to, to 
move on to our, our next uh, topic here. We've got a, an eight-man game tonight in our area that is spectacular. El Celine in their first season back in eight-man since 1993 have gotten off to a really good start, and, and they're on the road at Clifton Clyde tonight, another really, really good team in, in eight-man, especially as it relates to District 5. Uh, the, this, I think you and I were talking before we started, is the game to watch in this district. So how do you kind of see this maybe – unfolding a bit well as we talked about before we came on air the question mark is the injuries that El Saline has had I actually would pick a healthy El Saline team to beat Clifton Clyde uh, I was really impressed with El Saline against Little River even though Little River kind of ran away with it in the second half I I think that Little River is the best team in eight-man one um, they lost badly to Canton Galva mm-hmm. in that season opener but Eight-man two is much like 5A. Canton, Galva, and Axtell, they are the two best teams in eight-man, and they would beat every team in eight-man by at least two touchdowns. Eight-man one or eight-man two. They are in the midst of, you know, Axtell's an eight-man two team that won the state championship last year, and they graduated one senior that was a part-time player. And they didn't just, they they dominated Thunder Ridge in the semifinal game, and so so Canton Galva beating Little River, everybody immediately thought, well, this is not the same Little River team in the past. Mm-hmm. And they lost a great offensive line, but they have all the skill players back. Kevin Ayers is possibly the best coach in the history of eight-man football in the state of Kansas. He was the fastest to 100 wins wow. in in eight-man history, in Kansas history. Um, so gauging using Little River as a gauge, El Saline gave him everything – they could handle for two quarters, and then things started to just slip away a little bit. And, of course, they've gotten dinged up over the last couple of weeks. Um, Clifton Clyde is a tradition. They are traditionally successful. They have done a, a great job with that program since they've went to eight-man. I think they're I think they're in maybe 15 years, maybe longer, that they've been playing eight-man football. But uh, – they have a kind of a two quarterback scheme. Trent Long is a is their upperclassman that they want to run the ball with, and then they have a younger sophomore kid that is more of a, the throwing quarterback, and he throws a beautiful ball. And so, I think probably if you're El Celine, you've got to take one of those things away. You got to mm-hmm. you 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 got to try to take away the run, which is difficult because you know they got Seth Seth Leclaire as yeah. one of their guards there. 6'4", 265-pound kid that's probably got the potential to play at an Emporia State or a Fort Hayes State or something like that. Uh, but I really think if if Elseline has gotten a couple of those kids back, even partially, I, I still think that this is going to be a really good game that Elseline could have the opportunity to win. Now, if they're if all those guys are dinged up and they and they they can't go and they're not you know they're not at eighty percent even, then probably Clifton Clyde uh, certainly with their with their uh, expectation of success on an annual basis, the confidence going into those kind of things. But you know, I watch. Because I live in this area, I watch Elsling mm-hmm. quite a bit, and they are always one of the most physical teams that I've watched. They are always going to hit hard, and people, we want to, we like to talk about strategy a lot. I mean, I love it as much as anybody, but still, the number one component of the game is is whether you can hit or be hit, mm-hmm. because over the course of a game, it wears on you. You know, the 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 physical component. I think Randy Dryling used to have a sign. 
at uh, Hutch High in the weight room that said something along the lines of, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. So if if Elseline can match, because Clifton Clyde also plays a similar physical style, if they can match that and they can make a few plays, I think there's an opportunity for them to uh, get a win here and be in the driver's seat in that district. Now, again, we're joined by John Betts of Kansas Pregame. John, uh, just a couple minutes left today uh, to discuss, but I wanted to also discuss um, the Minneapolis Lions for us. They are on the road tonight and have a big task as they go to Nemaha Central, one of the best teams in two ways, ranks as well. So tough task, long road trip. You know, what are we in store for in that matchup? So Nemaha Central is really good. First of all, they're huge. Um, they have a junior kid named Holden Bass that's like 6'4", 265, one of the best throwers in the state of Kansas. They've got a, a senior, uh, I think it's Connor Dieters. His last name is Dieters, but he's 6'6", 265, something like that. And then Cooper Hadjik, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, senior running back for them. Uh, I think he's averaging like 200 yards of rushing a game or something wow. like that. And he is also a great linebacker for them. And they are really well coached. Michael Glatzik, who is originally from Centralia, where his dad was the head coach for uh, 15, 16 years, just retired this this after this last season. Uh, Michael playing for his dad. They won a couple of state championships, including they ended the uh, the Smith Center streak in the in the state championship game in 2009, I think it was. Um, so he's a kid that has come up in a in a system and understands how to be successful and is doing a great job with that with that program. I really think Minneapolis has their hands full. Uh, and you know, you mentioned the road trip. I am never in high school. I, I there are only a few places that I feel like have a home field advantage. You know, but the long road trips. Anytime that you have to drive further than an hour. It gets, you know, kids sitting on a bus for a long time, watching stuff on their phones and doing things like that. That can be really challenging to get them off that bus and get them going and get, and get, and get them warmed up and ready to go. So they've got a team that's outstanding and the challenge of making that long drive. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't set up for uh, the best set of circumstances, if yeah. you will. Absolutely. Now, that said, for for Minneapolis in the district that they're in, they got to win in a convincing win over a down Horton team. But how how does that kind of maybe set up for Minneapolis as it relates to trying to get into the postseason and, and set themselves up for success there? Well, and we probably need to confirm this, but I think Sabetha is in that district yes. also. Okay, yes. I think Sabetha is really good, and Sabetha, I think Sabetha's only loss is to Holton. And I feel like it was maybe 35 to 14. Of course, Holton is a 3A power. Uh, Sabetha returned a lot of talent this year. And their coach, Garrett Michael, has been there for a long time. Of course, they had a string of back-to-back state championships there six years ago or so. Uh, I really think Sabetha is very good. And and I also think you know Minneapolis will have their hands full with that Sabetha squad as well. Um, so, I, that makes it very difficult. For yeah, them. very I, difficult. I, you know yes. what? You know what? Hate is coming on a radio show. knowing the guy covers the team and wishing that I could say a few more things about that. They that the opportunity is there, but they've got a good. They, I am impressed with Minneapolis's start to the season, and I've always really enjoyed Coach Flax. And uh, 
you know, I think his kids play hard. They just got themselves in a really tough district this yeah, year. Certainly. There's there's several tough districts, but uh, before we get down that rabbit hole, I, I better let you go because I know you're busy as well as I am. Uh, so we got to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show for the week and get you set up for our football games tonight. I'm Jackson Schneider with John Betts of Kansas Pregame, and this is In the Zone. Nextech Wireless Studios. This is In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial. Lowest rates, flexible plans, exceptional customer service and coverage everywhere you are. Say goodbye to being just a number and say hello to something different at Nextech Wireless. We're going to wrap up today's show with a look at the college football landscape for tomorrow, especially in the Big 12 Conference, because it's a big weekend and for a couple of different games. There's four Big 12 games tomorrow across the Big 12. Of those four, three of them feature at least one ranked team. One features two ranked teams, and just one game features no ranked teams in the Big 12. Funny thing is, the only game that does not feature a ranked team at all, is the Red River rivalry. Texas and Oklahoma, both are 3-2, and two, and both are outside of the AP Top 25. Unranked, crazy times that we live in. The uh, one game, by the way, that features two ranked teams, number 17-ranked TCU at number 19-ranked Kansas. Oh, by the way, it's site for college game day. They're setting up in Lawrence as we speak, getting ready for a big day of college football tomorrow, live from David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence. Big time stuff there. That game, though, is massive for multitudes of reasons. Uh, First off, you got two ranked teams, two undefeated teams, TCU 4-0, Kansas 5-0. Those two teams still very much alive in the Big 12 championship race. The winner, in fact has a really good chance at putting themselves even closer to a Big 12 championship game appearance for early December down in Arlington, Texas. You can catch the game, by the way, on our sister station, Y93.7, with a 9.30 a.m. pregame show start, 11 a.m. for the kickoff, as the Jayhawks look for their first 6-0 start to a season since 2007. That 2007 season is pretty special, by the way. Kansas went 12-1 and on the year. Their lone loss was to Missouri in the final game of that season. Uh, they went to win the Orange Bowl that year, and, and it's really the best season Kansas football has ever had. And They haven't had a start like this really since then. Uh, they have started 5-0 and once in that time, and it was the next year, or uh, 2009, they were 5-0. and uh, but they finished 5-7 and seven on the season. So keep that in mind. This is a special, special year in the making for Kansas football, and especially if they can find a way to win it. Uh, that would be massive. Again, you can listen to that game on Y93.7, 11 a.m. for the kickoff. Other big game, Kansas State, right here, <clears throat> right here on 1150 KSAL tomorrow, 4.30 pregame 
6.30 kickoff from Ames, Iowa. 4-1, 20th ranked Kansas State at 3-2, unranked Iowa State. And uh, another big game for two teams that have Big 12 championship game aspirations. But Iowa State, the clock is quickly ticking on them. They are 0-2 in league play, and they are desperately in need of a win. Kansas State is 2-0 in Big 12 play, and a win for them would also go a long way in determining their Big 12 championship game aspirations uh, as well. Uh, But the Wildcats have lost two straight and three of the last four at the hands of the Cyclones. However, Kansas State has won, I believe, 21 of the last 26 meetings in the series if you zoom out a little bit. So K-State trying to get back on the winning side of things of Farmageddon in that big game as well. Other Big 12 games to keep an eye on uh, as Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. OSU, 7th in the nation, 4-0. Overall 1-0 in league play. That's a 2.30 kickoff. Game will air on FS1. And, of course, that OU and Texas game, 11 a.m. kickoff for the Red River rivalry down in Dallas. And that game is on ABC. That's just a, a quick look at the Big 12 games coming up this weekend. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, they are playing tonight. Friday night football for the Skurs as uh, they are on the road and they will be at Piscataway, New Jersey taking on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Nebraska 2-3. and three. They fired their head coach, but with the win over Indiana last week, if they beat Rutgers this week, they are very much alive in the Big Ten West standings and still uh, certainly at play for a potential Big Twelve champion or Big Ten championship, I should say, um, berth. But uh, again, long way to go in that one. You can keep your eyes on that. Uh, again, with that game in Piscataway, New Jersey tonight at six o'clock, that game will air on FS1. Um, and yeah, that's your. Crash course in college football for tomorrow. It's just about going to wrap up our show for today. Big thanks to Trent Sanchez, who did that awesome interview with Abilene alumni and Kansas player Sam Burt. Also, huge shout-out to John Betts of Kansas Pregame for that awesome in-depth look at area high school football for tonight. Uh, But, yeah, that's going to wrap up our show for today. Coming up next, Michael St. John will send you into high school football game day with in-depth looks at all of our area games. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to be a great night of high school football, a great weekend of football in general. But that's going to do it for In the Zone for this week. I am Jackson Schneider. We'll see you Monday here on 1150 KSAL.